Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is September 6, 2019. Two days to kick off. This is the last preseason podcast. Next podcast, we will be covering our curb stomping of the San Francisco 49ers. Second one in two years. Ralph and I disagree over whether this is a preseason podcast or a regular season podcast. I would say it's a regular season podcast. We are getting ready for a regular season game. This is true, but I decided to just go ahead and make this the last preseason podcast because we didn't say anything about it last time. So I figured, yeah, we'll what, make, the preseason game? Yeah, we'll make an event out of it this time. Oh, okay. We watched the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears last night. I was so excited. You know, I even painted up my face and stuff, <laughs> just testing it to, to uh, for my painting up on Sunday. Did a big skull on my face. Ralph texted me a picture, and I said, oh, I see you and the baby have been into the face paint. Please send me a picture of her. He said, I didn't do her face. She thought that the baby did my face. <laughs> I just didn't think a grown man would be painting his face <laughs> in his spare time she, for fun. <laughs> she, she sat there and looked at me for like 15 minutes, and she was like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm painting my face. She just like shook her head and walked away and went and played in her room. <laughs> okay, Dad. Weirdo. You did look cool, though. Solid job. A++. I got to work on my brushes. I was using a sponge and some That makes a brushes. big difference. It does. Like, I couldn't get the lines straight. Yeah. That'll happen. But the game, I was so excited. And here it was. For some reason, I think it's because of all the preseason games coming on at 7.30 this year, I thought the game started at 7.30. So at like 7.15, Molly's making ribs and stuff. And I'm all excited. And you know, I'm drinking my beer. And I'm jumping up and down. I'm like, six minutes left. Six minutes left. Of course, she doesn't bother to correct me. She has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, about. what are you talking about? She's probably thinking there's six minutes left for the potatoes to cook or something. So anyhow, 7.30 rolls around, and I'm sitting here in front of the TV. I'm like, why is the game not starting? <laughs> I check. It was 8.20. So I had another hour. And that's the worst feeling in the world. It really is. It's why I can't stand waking up early on Sundays. I wake up normally around 11 or 12. I will force myself to lay in bed because <laughs> I can't stand waiting for football. So anyhow, I had another hour to wait, and I was just in misery. I was also moping around the house, eating my emotions. <laughs> I ate so much last night. I probably ate three pounds of food. <laughs> so anyhow, the game starts, and man, was that probably one of the most boring games I've ever watched. You would think with it being a division game like that, and they have such a long history, that it would be very exciting and it was not. I wasn't looking forward to this one because I don't like Green Bay, and... I don't really like the Bears either. So it was just kind of like, meh, I don't really want to watch them. Watch well, Aaron Rodgers bitching about every little thing. He did, he did go cry to the refs a he couple was of times. He's so much. such a whiny little bitch. I can't stand him. You know, after reading that article, was it Deadspin or Barstool? Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Yeah, about how he's basically blowing up the team with his emotional outburst. And he's and, like the pettiest person on the planet. Like if the receivers weren't listening to him or doing what he told them to do, he would not throw to them anymore. Just ridiculous. But I will say, I think we had answered whether it was Aaron Rodgers or Mike McCarthy that was the reason for their success because they looked no different last night than they have in the past. However long Mike McCarthy has been there. So I think they looked worse. No, I don't think. Oh, well, last year they didn't do that well. That's true. But then again, they, they look better than last year. They were going up against the Chicago Bears defense, which is probably the best defense in the league. Yeah. And to me, it was Aaron Rodgers. They'd run it occasionally, and then he'd chunk it down the field to somebody. Just let it rip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was very. Very underwhelmed by the game, performance on both sides, but Trubisky looked like crap. Can you believe there were people on Twitter saying that Trubisky was better than James Winston? Yeah, well, Molly cracked me up. She was like in this Twitter argument with people and she was... I wasn't actually arguing. I was just a spectator. I don't even know she... how it got in my newsfeed, but someone Bucks related, I'm sure, retweeted it, commented. But the Bears fans' defense of Trubisky saying he was better than Jameis Winston was talking about Jameis Winston's turnover. They said he's a turnover machine talking about Jameis Winston. Well, what happened last night? <laughs> Trubisky lost the game on a turnover. <laughs> in the end zone. Cost his team the game. 
to an interception with a minute left. I was like, oh, you big dummy. That tweet didn't age well. But you would think after 199 times playing each other, they'd be a more, I thought it was going to be a much more exciting game. But man, that was just, it was like molasses. I think it was like halftime, me and you were just like slouched. <laughs> we were so full, that was the problem. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In a food coma, basically. And drunk. I was drunk. I didn't drink any beer. I had no room. <laughs> Always make room for the beer. I really thought the Bears were going to win last night. I think I picked them. We both did. We both picked the Bears. That'll teach us. Not for our survivor, though. Pick, Thank God. We both picked the Ravens. Over Miami. Over Miami. I think I've been burned by Miami before. I think usually that's my strategy is to pick whoever's playing them. Yeah. And I think I've gotten bit in the butt a couple times by that. But generally speaking, it's a pretty safe wager. We've been doing horrible with our survivor picks the past few years. One year, we both got knocked out first week. Last year, I got knocked out after week three or two. Two or one long. I made it longer than I thought. I think till about week six, maybe. I don't ever really make it that far with the Survivor. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard. So we got the 49ers coming up. I know we talked about that. We did the preview last podcast, but we got some additional stuff to add on here. Uh, no fact text and follow-ups. Because Ralph didn't listen to the podcast. I li- I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that look you gave me. I listened to most of it. I got like three quarters of the way through it. <laughs> there was a couple of things I was like, eh, I should probably check up on that, but I didn't, so. That's how we have a perfect slate, because I'm too lazy to check up on <laughs> facts. Big thing I'm looking forward to with this game is Vita Bam. I'll probably say that every game coming forward, but this was the game last year where he had his breakout game. I think it was week 11? I think 10, somewhere in there. It was double digits for sure. Right. And he did really good. I think he had four tackles in a sack. Three tackles for losses, though. And he was just extremely disruptive. Now, here's the good thing. It's the exact same offensive line. They couldn't handle him last year. Which we talked about in the last podcast. We were debating how good they really were, the offensive line, especially the interior and the two guards. So learning that it was the same offensive line as last year, I'm not as concerned. No, and especially with Sue and Vea. Yeah. There. And we're missing JPP. Let's see, we had four sacks on him last year. Everybody on our defensive line got a sack. JPP, Vea, McCoy, and Nassib all got sacks. And we destroyed them. But then again, they had Nick Mullins in, not Garoppolo. He's a much better pocket passer. They had 342 net yards. We had 412. Where we killed them was in passing. They had more rushing yards than us. Breed Put a hurting on us last year. 148 rushing yards to our 108. They had 6.2 average gains per rush. We had 3.5. They're not going to get that this year. No, no. Uh, passing yards, they had 194. We had 304. Good Lord. That reminds me, last last night that game was a punt fest. Mm-hmm. It was just punt, punt, punt. Punt and punts used to be exciting and kick off some punts, but now they're just boring as shit. You know, it's, it's always a flag if anything happens, and sometimes if nothing happens, it's still a flag. Right? It's so sad. I don't even watch them anymore. I mean, the the guys can't block. You know, especially on the kickoffs, they've got all these new rules where you can't have two guys beside each other blocking. They consider that a wedge. You what? can't have any wedges. You can't have two guys next to each other blocking. What's the definition of next to each other? Is it right. like a certain distance they have to be apart? No. Nope, or is a, it totally subjective? Totally subjective. Lovely. Yeah. Actually, we were the first ones to get a penalty last year with the new rules on that. First game. We're always setting some kind of precedent. <laughs> We've always got, we got a ton of infamous stats. So I'm not worried about their offensive line as much as I was after watching that third preseason game. I'm just going to chalk it up to Kansas City just did not play well on their front. With Sue and Vea, please let Vea play. Please let Vea play. He returned to practice, full practice on Thursday. Yeah, let's go over the injury report. Updated injury report we've got on the Bucks. Anthony Auclair has a calf injury. He was a full participant in Thursday's practice. Devontae Bond, hamstring, he's limited. Cam Brait has a calf injury, full practice Thursday. David was full practice Thursday. Mike Edwards with the hammy, full practice Thursday. Justin Evans, who I would like to talk about, 
Did not practice. He's got an Achilles injury. Blaine Gabbert with the shoulder didn't practice. No surprise there. Damone Harris had an illness, so he was out Wednesday but came back Thursday, full participant. Anthony Nelson with the knee injury, he's a full participant. And Vita Vea with his knee, full participant Thursday. Which this is a pretty pretty good, uh, we didn't have a lot of injuries this preseason. Last year, going into week one, Vita Vea was out. Uh, Brent Grimes was out. And then throughout the year, we had quite a few injuries that took out a lot of players, especially on defense. This year, we're going into the season. We've got JPP's out. He's really the only significant player I can think of. Yeah, so even though we're tackling in practice, we're getting more physical, we're not really dealing with that many serious injuries. I think B.A.'s got these guys kind of worried about getting hurt. He should be. They should be. And the whole Justin Evans thing. Yes. Really, I get that. Sometimes injuries are out of your control and there's not a whole lot you can do. But there are guys like JPP that play through the pain, that play through injury. You're not helping the team when you're on the bench. And Justin Evans has just been completely absent for how long? All preseason, pretty much. Why why are we even messing around with this anymore? Don't know. He's a backup at this point. And then we've got on the practice squad. Like, Couldn't you just bring up one of those guys? I don't know what you do with Justin. IR... Yeah, I, you know, I was never really that impressed with him to begin with, but you know, he's just kind of lingering around, all hurt and not participating in anything. I don't know how much longer BA is going to tolerate that. The Blaine Gabbert, he's got the shoulder issue, but we don't really need him. He's our third stringer right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So we're going into the season pretty dang healthy. JPP's really the only one, and that was non-football related, so. And it happened a long time ago. I think B.A.'s got this, he's working on this culture of injury we've had, and it looks like it might be helping. These guys are scared to get hurt because they might lose their job. Joe Bucks fan touched on that. I know that I brought it up a few weeks ago, but that some of the guys felt a lot of pressure to come back from injury. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. We heard from Brent Grimes that there are guys who will fake an injury at the end of the season. If they're not doing what, you know, for various reasons. They'll fake injuries. So if you have a team that's not going to tolerate that, you have less incentive for guys to take an extended amount of time for an injury. There's, what, we like 2,000 people in the NFL, players. Is that what we... I have no idea. I keep saying these numbers. I go between 1,000, 2,000, all that, whatever. There's a lot of guys that want to play football that would do anything to get on a team. And then you got guys who will constantly be, you know, hamstring issues or calf issues and, you know, they'll miss... Games here and games there and all that. And when you've got guys that are chomping at the bit to play, I think it's a good idea to use that as a tool. You know, be like, hey, man, if you're going to be out, if you're going to be Wally Pitt, we will find a Lou Gehrig to replace you. And you've been saying for years that Tampa has a culture of injury. This is how you get rid of it. I hope so. On 49ers side of the ball, Nick Bosa with his ankle injury, which he's been dealing with all preseason, he was limited Thursday. D. Ford has a knee injury, full practice. Wide receiver Jalen Hurd has a back injury. He has not participated all week. Wide receiver Dante Pettis has a groin. He was a full participant Thursday. Center Weston Richburg has a knee injury. He was limited. Joe Staley's on the injury report, their tackle, but it wasn't injury related and he was a full participant Thursday. Wide receiver Trent Taylor has a foot injury and he did not practice. Defensive back Jason Verrett has an ankle injury. He was limited Thursday. Cornerback Kawan Williams has a knee injury. He was limited Thursday. And then defensive back Jimmy Ward was injured. He wasn't on Wednesday's injury report, but then he showed up Thursday. He's got a hand injury, and he did not practice on Thursday. So they've got seven people limited or not practicing. We've got two, three. We've got three. And they're... Wide receiver core, they've got three on there on the injury report. Two of them are not practicing, which that's a weak unit anyway. And then their backfield, is it the backfield where your secondary is? No, that's behind the, yes? No? (laughs) I get my terminology confused sometimes. (laughs) You confuse the names. I confuse the terminology. Their defensive backs, they've got three defensive backs. Two limited, one did not practice. So that's another weak area. Good. Scott Smith had a really good preview up 
on Buccaneers.com. And so I took some tidbits from his article. I am just copy and pasting. Plagiarism. So I am, I am plagiarism. well, I'm giving him credit. It's not plagiarism <laughs> if you give them credit, right? <laughs> Scott Smith, Buccaneers.com. In 2018, San Francisco allowed the third fewest drives of five minutes or longer, and also the fourth fewest drives that lasted at least 10 plays. Now, see, that stat right there, that's one of those ones where you go, oh, that sounds awesome, but maybe everybody scored on San Francisco in fewer (laughs) than five minutes or 10 plays. Yeah, they didn't need that much time. Right. But then you're giving San Francisco's offense the ball back. Which is fine because they saw it. (laughs) They can't do anything with it. The 49ers led the NFL with field goal success rate of 97.1%. Robbie Gould. Robbie Robbie Gould. So he is a bright spot on that team. Wasn't he with the Bears? Yeah, he was with the Bears from 2005 to 2015, so 11 years. They got rid of him, and they've had horrible kicking problems since. Yeah, Cody Parkey. So he's their Matt Bryant. uh, (laughs) They've got the gold curse. (laughs) I like that one better. The gold curse? It's a cool name. Although their offense was subpar, they recorded 76 plays of 20 yards of more, which tied them for the fourth highest in the NFL, which was in large part due to George Kittle, the tight end. He was targeted 136 times by the 49er quarterbacks, of which I think they had three, four, three. Anyway, no other player on the team had more than 66 targets. So he had 136. Yeah, he is, or was, they're really, they're only receiving threat. Uh, But last year against us, he only caught two passes on six targets for 23 yards. Wow. And knowing that he's their biggest offensive weapon, I'm certain that they have game plan around him. We're going to see a lot of Devin White on him, maybe. Ugh. Yeah, it's kind of scary. And not because Devin's bad, but just because that's your first game in the NFL. Going against full an speed. elite tight end. Yeah, one of the best tight ends. We'll see. I I have no clue. Nobody has any clue what Todd Bowles' defense is going to look like. I, I don't know if he'll match Devin White up with Kittle. I can't imagine. I mean, maybe they do, but to me it doesn't seem like the smartest decision. Going to be interesting. The size matchup alone, George Kittle is 6'4 and 250 pounds, where Devin White is 6 foot, 237 pounds. So he's four inches smaller and about 15 pounds lighter. Right. I just can't imagine that would be the best best avenue for neutralizing him. But the 49ers also ranked sixth in the NFL in average yards per carry on first down. And sixth. <laughs> Some arbitrary I know, stats and sixth right there. in percentage of carries that gained 10 or more yards. Yeah, Breed is good. He averaged uh, eight yards a carry with us last year. He ain't getting that this year. No, no, no. Our running game is, our, our run defense is definitely going to be a lot better. These guys can tackle at least. Right, exactly. Their offense, they did have the third worst interception rate in the NFL. They were throwing interceptions on 3.76% of its pass plays. It's not that bad, really. I mean, isn't Jameis at like 3%? Maybe, but it was third worst in the league. It's a game of inches, Ralph. (laughs) And then their offense converted only 41.2% of their red zone incursions into touchdowns, which was the worst in the league. And they turned the ball over on 11.8% of their trips inside the 20. Wow. Which was the worst in the league. That's horrible. Yeah. So their red zone offense could be a weakness. You would think that they would address that in the offseason. They probably did. I mean, hopefully we did. Our red zone offense has been pretty bad the past few years. It's funny. I I read all these power rankings and who they think is going to you know, have good records this year and all this kind of stuff. And they talk about everybody. Everybody's talking about the Buccaneers' defense from last year. They're saying, well, you know, they lost two of their best players and their defense has not gotten any better, so they're going to be just as bad or worse is what everybody's saying. And I'm like, what? It's so weird. All these analysts and stuff, they just don't really pay attention. They don't watch the games. No, they don't watch the games. They have 32 teams to keep up with. It's hard. I mean, oh, we yeah. do it with the Buccaneers. It's hard doing it with one team. It's very hard. That's why I just don't put all a lot of faith into analysts' predictions. 
Because because mainly what they do is they, I assume, they just listen to the beat reporters. You know, they'll be like, they'll, they'll probably even ask them because they're all friends. You know, they'll be like, hey, Rick Stroud, what do you think about the Buccaneers or whatever? You think what? they're asking to a Bucs fan? I don't know. I don't know how good they are in with the <laughs> national media. They're not in very well with the local media. <laughs> yeah. San Francisco's defense had some terrible records, too. They had the fewest interceptions and the fewest takeaways ever in a single season. They had two interceptions and only seven takeaways. Holy crap. They only had two interceptions all year? Yeah. No. It was an all-time worst NFL record. What? And then they didn't shore up their secondary? No. <laughs> I mean, you would think with those type of stats that you would have a very good turnover as far as players and coaching, at least on the defensive side of the ball, but they didn't do that. I mean, they've kept pretty much the same team. Their defense, uh, they got rid of Thomas, I think, on the defensive line, replaced him with D Ford and somebody in the secondary. I mean, it's all pretty much the same, except for they've got two new linebackers, one of them being Quan Alexander, the other one being a rookie who's starting at their same position, and their defensive line. They replaced Thomas with Ford and replaced Mitchell with Sheldon Day. But the Force Buckner's still there, Eric Armistead's still there, Richard Sherman's still there, Tart is still there, Jimmy Ward. I mean, it's the same defense. And then it's the same defensive coordinator they did replace the linebackers coach. No, the defensive line coach. Defensive line coach. And the secondary coach. Yeah, the defensive backs coach. This is his first season with the 49ers. He's also the passing game coordinator. It's very strange. Joe Woods is his name. He's had uh, coaching careers with the Broncos, Raiders, Minnesota Vikings, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was back in 2004, 2005. I don't remember what he did with us. Name's not striking a bell. But anyhow, 49ers really haven't done a whole lot to... You know, make sure they don't have these same bad stats again. In 2018, they couldn't defend the deep ball. The quarterbacks combined for 112 passer rating on throws over 20 yards. Jesus. The worst rating allowed by any defense. And that's strictly on their defensive backs, which they did not upgrade. But they, it's a good for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not mad about this at all. <laughs> this was another fun one. They opposing teams scored 25 points on two minute drives. Only four teams allowed more. That's a lot of points. Yeah. Wait a minute. Is that saying they allowed 25 points when teams drove in two minute drives? I mean, is that culmination of the whole season? Is that yeah. On two minute drives, 25 points. That don't seem that bad, does it? That's only three touchdowns and a, two safeties. It could be seven <laughs> field goals. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's probably it probably is seven, <laughs> seven field goals and two safeties. In any case, you can drive down the field in two minutes and score on them. They in the draft this year drafted a punter in the fourth round. Wow, Mitch Wisnowski. So anyone that's hating on the Matt Gay pick, yeah, he was. There's picked. somebody worse. <laughs> Wisnowski, the punter, was picked before kicker Matt Gay in the fourth round, and that was actually they were teammates at Utah. Do you think like was like, oh my gosh, it's a kicker year. We better, <laughs> we better grab Matt Gay quick. Everybody's going for kickers. I, it was kind of in the draft. There were a lot of people drafting punters and kick. It wasn't just us. I think the Patriots did too. Patriots oh, did it, so if, it's yeah, okay. If guys. the Patriots did it, then everybody's <laughs> going to be doing it now. So that was a piece by Scott Smith. It was really good. Y'all should go check it out. I pulled just the... The fun stats I liked from it. Scary thing about those stats is that it sounded like the Buccaneers. A lot of those stats, especially not being able to stop teams on third downs and allowing big passes. The, yeah, the passes. Red zone. Red zone, troubles. yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I think we've made a lot of big leaps this year. We're a totally different team. Defensively, yes. I agree with that. Offensively, I'm not sold. I don't think we got worse. No. Uh, the receiving core, I think you can make the case, got well, marginally worse with the loss of Deshaun Jackson. If, well, more so. Not Deshaun Jackson's performance, but just that threat. He was always a threat that you had to take into account. And I don't think we have the equivalent. And losing Adam Humphreys is going to hurt. That was a big one, too. So those are really two big pieces. But if Godwin shows up and Perriman does... I haven't a little seen bit anything what, from Perriman. I know, but if he can if he can stretch the field and make defenses have to keep safeties back there just like Deshaun did, 
That'll be fine. Like you said, it'll be more of the threat than anything. We've still got Mike Evans. So, yeah, our receiving core might have slipped a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Running backs got better, for sure. I think so. Our run blocking is much improved. It appears that way in preseason. I think they've really focused on run blocking in the offseason, not so much the pass protection. (laughs) (laughs) The Bucks voted on captains this week. Jameis Winston and Mike Evans were voted on offense. Carl Nassib and Levante David on defense, which I love. Carl Nassib's getting that nod. Yeah, it actually kind of surprised me. That was the one that I went, what? I, you know, I don't know anything about the guy. He doesn't give a whole lot of interviews, and they say that he's real quiet and all that. But B.A. says he's like a crazy guy. That's Someone else tweeted that I think three different coaches and players said the same thing, that he's just crazy. <laughs> so apparently he gives a different face to the public than he does to these guys in private. I like that. Somebody asked B.A. at the press conference. I don't know who it was. Rick Stroud, somebody asked if Carl Nassib had split personality because he's all quiet to the media, reserved, I think is what he said. And B.A. said he only knows the one personality. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. And then Dare got the nod on specialty. I was so excited about this one. Well, yeah, it actually kind of surprised me because I haven't really noticed him on special teams. But I guess they wanted to make him a captain somewhere. That says a lot about his personality and character if he's getting voted captain by these guys. I think so, too. I just really like him. I do, too. I'm glad that he's emerged. I've seen more from him than I have Roy Jones. And Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. I'm thinking boxing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's he's shown as much as Peyton Barber. I think so, too. I have no concerns about depth at running back. No, and I'm going to say this again. I know I, I'm a big Jameis Winston supporter, but I think Ryan Griffin has got skills. Which is so funny because after we watched that first preseason game, we were like, oh, this guy's horrible. We thought Dirk Cutter was on drugs. Yes, I thought for sure we were going to cut him. But then after rewatching it, see that, you know, he was just under pressure a lot. And then he, you know, performed well in the rest of the preseason games. He got into a rhythm. And he seems to have good pocket presence and good, he can make any throw on the field and just seem very statuesque. I don't know what, what the word is. He, he looked very good. So I, I, I wouldn't have a problem. With him having to fill in for Jameis. So, I, you know, I think we got that at the quarterback position, definitely the tight end position, the running back position, offensive line. Eh. <laughs> we don't even have too many starters there, let alone depth. <laughs> uh, we've got le- depth at the linebacker position. Defensive end is kind of scary. I say defensive end, but outside linebacker. I mean, outside of Nassib and Barrett. We got Harris, Damone Harris. Yeah. He did okay. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not like we're sitting pretty. But the interior defensive line is stacked, I think. I mean, yeah. Bo Allen and Vita Vea and Namakong Sue and Nacho. And, yeah, I think we're good there. In the secondary, it just seems like we've got so many guys back there. Some of them have got to be decent. <laughs> Somebody's got to pop. <laughs> yeah. And Jamal Dean, he looks like the real deal. I like him. Hopefully, VH3 is going to play well this year. I'd like to see something from Mike Edwards. Yeah, I know. We heard all about this, about him during the training camp and everything and then he didn't play hardly at all during preseason but he's a starter so i but i like whitehead so he's gonna, oh i like whitehead yeah too. he's gonna he's gonna perform well this year i think the secondary is gonna be a lot better than people think because they're just like wild crazy guys back there this whole press coverage stuff it's it that's what cornerbacks like to play most cornerbacks and you know we're gonna be doing a lot of that so i think they're excited about it yeah again i think our our biggest weakness is our offensive line but like i said it's average you know, and if, if that's the biggest weakness on your team is an average position, I think we're we're set to springboard into some really great stuff this year. Because, I mean, just think about it. Our offensive line is basically the same as it was last year, and we were still one of the top offenses in the league. That's true. If our defense would have just been average, we would have went to the playoffs last year. Because, I mean, we were, we were throwing up some points, and we'd march down the field no problem. We just couldn't stop anybody else from doing the same thing. If we would have just stopped a few teams a few times – you know, we would have won an extra three or four games. That would have put us at nine. And we would have went to the playoffs. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> we would have had a better defense. And we got a better defense this year. Better scheme, better players. So I, I don't have a problem whatsoever saying we're going to go 10 and 6. I think that's the floor. I do too. And, you know, people are using the schedule as an excuse. I don't I don't know, man. I, I think these guys get a big thrill into going to different stadiums and you know, showing people up, being the underdogs, all that good stuff. I think it boosts guys up a little bit. So I, I, it could be an advantage. 
I see all everybody loves to prognosticate and predict all this stuff that's going to happen. That's what that's a large part of football to appeal to it is just you know trying to predict what's going to happen. And everybody's playing the fence. You know they're they're getting the bucks right in the middle. You know some towards the low end, some towards the high end. But I don't think they see that the you know this is a huge transformation we've taken. I mean huge. We got the largest co- coaching staff in the league. The Glazers have dumped all kinds of money. Got ourselves a whole sports science department. I mean, we're at the top of the league in technology. You know, we've shored up the defense player-wise. We've got good schemes back there now. We're not going to be playing this stupid soft zone coverage every down. We've fixed the kicker issue. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, we fixed the kicker fixed the kicker issue. And I I don't know. I don't know. I think people are just sleeping on us. Even our own media which really freaks me out. We've talked about this on the podcast, how they just, you know, they're just like dragging their feet, saying that you hear this all the time. Well, we've been burnt too much. Like, no, let's say this. You've been wrong too much. <laughs> You're going to be wrong again this year. Talking about, I mean, they're like excited when they say eight and eight, you know, like, oh, I think we're going to go eight and eight. You know, we're going to improve that much. this year. What? No, but and most of them are down around the six, seven, and seven nine, yeah. yeah, seven and nine. But that's just playing it safe because most teams are in that area. So if you're going to, if you want to have a good record, just pick that for most everybody except for the New England Patriots, and you'll have a pretty good record. But Speaking of New England Patriots, we made our picks. We do picks every year for the entire league. Who we think is going to win the division, who we think yeah. is going to be in second place, third place, fourth place. For every division. Then we pick playoffs and we pick Super Bowls. Ralph and I both picked the Patriots to win it again this year. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't at this point. You can't. There's nobody in that entire conference that I'm like, yeah, they're going to unseat the Patriots. Chris Berman used to pick the Buffalo Bills every year, no matter what. He probably still does. I mean, is he still on TV? Who knows? We don't watch regular TV. You know how you can tell someone doesn't watch TV? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, they tell you. Uh, but he uh, After the Bills went four years in a row to the Super Bowl, Chris Berman said he was going to pick the Super Bowl, the Bills to go to the Super Bowl every year because he was like, he didn't pick them any of those years, I don't think. So he was like, from here on out, it's the Bills, and they've never made it back. <laughs> Maybe he's a jinx. <laughs> But yeah, the Patriots, you just got to. There's something there. They figured something out. Someday somebody's going to figure out what they figured out. But it's just dumb to, to bet against them. And unfortunately, we both picked the Saints. No, no. no, no. You didn't? I did. I picked Minnesota. Okay, yeah. yeah. You, you weren't a traitor like I was. I know. I thought about the Saints. I think Minnesota's a good pick. I, I debated between Minnesota and the Saints. Yeah, they were the two top mm-hmm. prospects. We think the Rams are going to have the... Super Bowl hangover. Correct. I still think they're going to have a decent record, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, they might. That division's pretty weak. I don't think they... I had them going to the playoffs. I think I had Seattle winning that division. They got Davion Clowney. Like, what the... Come on. I wouldn't mind getting him. He's injury prone. Right. But that's a man. Great run stuffer. We got great run stuffers. I know, but... Who are you going to bench for him? Right. That was my whole thing. I was like... And plus, I, we didn't have the cap room for it either, but... Just like, man. You know, Mike Evans converted $2 million of his base salary into a signing bonus for us. Again, creating a $1.6 million room in cap space. Yeah, that's pretty good. It works out for everybody because he just gets that money now. Yeah. You know, it's not spread out now. So he's like, works out great for him. Works out great for us. We get to save some cap room. Do they just direct deposit their paychecks? How does that work? How does that work? When you get get $2 million check, how does that work? Probably a wire, maybe. Maybe maybe it's a briefcase filled with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> I do it in pennies, rolls of pennies. Two hundred million pennies. pennies. Well, that'd be a lot of pennies. That would weigh a lot. I wonder how much that weighs. Yeah, there's probably a website out there that calculates that. <laughs> so yeah, that was nice of Mike, and uh, it helps everybody out. So what's our cap looking like now? What you know, we're going to make some type of move. So that now gives us a whopping what about three million in cap room? Two. <laughs> Two million. Yeah. Wait, we didn't have any. So cap we room have four hundred thousand before he did it. Yeesh. Yeah. Never mind. We ain't getting nobody. Man, we are right up against that cap, isn't it? It's been a long time since we've been in this situation. I can't remember the last time. Back in the Gruden days, I think. I wonder what's going to happen with JPP's money. Yeah, they gonna pay him. I would. I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to not pay him and then have him come in mid season, being like, "I ain't playing for you guys. He ain't even paying me." Right. I'm excited to see what happens with Daria Ogunbowale. 
He's got a real possibility of moving up in this depth chart, man. I think so, too. But if he comes out and he plays really well, he could be the starter. I agree. And I don't know how much running back by committee they're going to do, how many touches Ronald Jones might get. I think Dare in the preseason made the case to be the number two. I think we're going to see a lot of running back screens. We'll see a lot of that. They did it in the preseason very successfully. So yeah. I don't see why they would not do it during the regular season. I mean, we would do it. We were very, very good at it. Well, you know, we got these athletic linemen who, you know, they don't have a problem running out 15, 20 yards to do some blocking. The problem is they just can't block once they get out there. <laughs> They've got the gumption. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not a big fan of, you know, athletic linemen. I like the big bruisers. Yeah. Like a Dallas. Yeah. Patriots. Chargers. See, Ezekiel came out and came back. Zeke Elliott? Yeah. Yeah. I think we touched on that last part. Did we? The dude I'm playing has him. Like, son of a... I know. I picked up Tony Pollard. I was I was hoping Zeke could be out at least one week. But I did this last year. We talked about this where Ezekiel was supposed to be suspended, and they kept postponing, postponing, postponing. And I had, like, three Dallas running backs on my <laughs> bench all season, just waiting for him to be suspended. And then none of them popped off anyway. Yeah, I th- I, and I told him, I said, I'd never, I'll never do that again. And now here I am. <laughs> Hoarding running backs. Hoarding Dallas running backs. Because <laughs> anybody runs, anybody that runs back there is going to be making some yardage. Let's talk about a- Antonio Brown. <laughs> what a shit show. Here's what I got to say about this. And I couldn't stop repeating it last night is how in the world did HBO not pick that up? Because if you watch, they showed no problems between Mayock and. Or Moyak. We live right Mayock. down the street from Moyak. So it's a little town. It's a little town. It's called Moyak. So I always say Moyak when I say Mayak. They showed no tension between Mayak and OBJ or uh, Antonio Brown, but they never had Mayak on screen. And if you noticed, when he cut players, they went into his office and they didn't have a camera in there. Now they normally do. That's usually a big thing with HBO Hard Knocks is the cutting of the players, but they didn't this season. My theory is that. HBO couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Because <laughs> they they're crazy. That's you like, got Richie Incognito, who's right. a freaking time bomb. Who's going to go off at any second. You got any Bontez second. Perfect. Being the voice of reason between yeah. Mike Mayock and Antonio Brown. <laughs> no, that's how bad it is. <laughs> the, the, the reports are that Antonio Brown wanted to fight Mayock during practice. He told him, I will punch you in the face. And he got up on him, and they had the teammates had to pull him away. One of the teammates, or the main one, was Vontez Perfect. <laughs> so when he's, like Molly said, your voice of reason on the team, y'all are. I want to know where way. Richie Incognito was in all this. Like, did he have to remove himself so he wasn't triggered and turned into a maniac? <laughs> were, they, were they like, okay, Richie, go get in your safe space so you don't kill anyone? <laughs> oh my God. When Vontez Perfect and Richie Incognito are your two most stable players emotionally. <laughs> You're in for some trouble. <laughs> oh, this is going to be such a great shit show. Uh, I'm I, disappointed it wasn't on HBO. I, know, they I was waiting really, for it. Yes, they really... Uh, but you can tell it's just been festering the whole time because they were. it didn't break out until HBO left. So they were waiting for those cameras to leave. They were on their best behavior. They were on their P's and Q's. I don't know. I think HBO just didn't want to... Show that for some reason. I, I They had to have picked it up. I mean, they were there when Mayock said that Antonio Brown, what was it he said in the media? Basically that he needed to shit or get off the pot. Yes. And they didn't show that in the HBO Hard Knocks. I thought they did. Did they? It was a small clip. Oh, yeah. I think it was like at the end, like right before the credits. But I might have seen that on Twitter. I don't remember. But they did. Anyhow, Maybe my point being, they, they showed his feet. Antonio Brown's feet. They, they talked shot, about his helmet. They saw. They showed him driving in on a hot air balloon. <laughs> like you are so extra. Oh my god. Oh, he is a weird dude. He's very weird. Not as weird as Cam Newton though. Cam Newton is weird. Just throwing that out there. That's that's a weird dude, man. Kind of. He's he freaks me out. That is hilarious. I'm glad you brought that up. I've forgotten about the Antonio Brown and his picture on Instagram. So he takes a picture of the letter that Mike Mayock sent him 
saying we're going to fine you this much Which, for missing. That's what you do. That's what normal happens. Normal people are like, oh, I'm not getting paid because I didn't show up. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Right. Normal people, you don't show up for work. Guess what? You get fired and you, get, you don't get paid. So I don't know why he's surprised. I guess he just thinks that he's above consequences. To me, it sounds like, you know, I mean, he threw a hissy fit at Pittsburgh. And became diva number one. It is incredible to me that that shit did not come out. How long has he been at Pittsburgh? Right. And none of it didn't come out. We knew that there was kind of some beef somewhere, but you didn't know who it was and what exactly the issue was. And then he left, and it's clear where the issue was. Yeah, there's been no drama at Pittsburgh at all. Just the fact that Mike Tomlin was able to keep that under wraps that much is very impressive. I like Mike Tomlin. Then Antonio Brown goes to Oakland, and it seems like, I don't know, you ever get those kids in, like, grade school where they've just got to establish their dominance and their authority? Or, you know, they just make such a... A fuss. A as fuss soon as about they walk everything. into the room. Yeah. 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 That's how Antonio Brown struck me. I mean, so. he goes there, it's the feet, and then it's the helmet, and then it's just, you know, and, and the HBO crew were in his face the whole time, and he was loving that. I mean, he was just all about that. So I, it seems to me like he's just trying to push it, push it, push it to establish dominance over the I, team. I think it's an attention thing. Yeah. He just wants attention. Yeah. And he wants them to cater to his every need. To an extent, I think when you're a player of his caliber, you do warrant. I don't want to say special treatment, but special treatment. Yeah, you get special treatment <laughs> you do. in your multi-million dollar contract. But you don't take it that far. No, nah, he t- he's, he's going t- too far. Yeah. Do you think anyone will pick him up? Should oh, there's they always some stupid get rid team. of him? Some stupid team. The will Redskins. Pick him up. <laughs> I say stupid team, you immediately think Redskins. <laughs> I like you. Uh, New York Jets. I could see him going there. Who knows, man? With Le'Veon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, if if they outright cut him, that's going to cost them so much money. It, from what I've read from the Twitter experts, <laughs> that if he's the on Twitter, the roster, Twitter doctors, if he's on the active roster week one, they got to pay him like fourteen million dollars. But if he's suspended, they don't have to pay him. What if they cut him? I don't think that they can cut him. What's his guarantee? Because he's got, yeah, he's got a crap load of guaranteed money. Yeah, so they'll look to trade him. Ain't nobody going to trade him. Not with that salary. 30 million guaranteed. Gosh, that's a, they are stuck in a situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. And HBO really missed out by not showing all that stuff. They should be going back. Yeah. Good point. And then Drew Rosenhaus, Antonio Brown's agent, put out a statement that said, basically, we're committed to getting this worked out. Yeah, okay, but you're committed because you want your commission. Craziness. I just I just don't get it. But then again, I'm not an NFL player making $20 million a year. It doesn't surprise me with the Antonio Brown that he's acting that way. But I am a little surprised that John Gruden has let it get this far. Mike Mayock, I can kind of understand because he's been a media personality for years. And I I don't know if this is his first foray into general oh, yeah, management. Is. That's what I thought. So he's kind of establishing himself as a GM. I think he's doing everything that he should be doing to establish himself. I, I Watching the hard knocks and when... Antonio Brown was going through the whole helmet stuff and he was staying out. Gruden was being so ungruden. I mean, he was saying things like, well, you know, I hope he uh, hope he finds the right helmet and he can get back to us soon. And, you know, it's he was basically sounding like he was on Antonio Brown's side, which, if you know John Gruden, he was throwing shit. He was saying, this diva mother effer, you know, what's he? He's holding up our whole damn team because of a helmet? So do you think he was doing that for the cameras so it didn't exacerbate the situation? I would think so. I would think so. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's no way that HBO crew was there and did not see the tension between all three of them. There's no way. They just chose not to show it. But HBO's been doing that for years now where they're they're trying to make it where... It's a marketing piece. And I wonder how much the NFL has control of that. Quite a bit, I think. I read a thing where they said that they NFL's got... Like editorial editing, Editorial control. control, yeah. So that would probably be why. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But, yeah, if you pick the Raiders to do anything this year, man... You might as well just give your money to a homeless person or something because <laughs> there's no way they're going to make it through this season alive. Jake Arians 
tweeted that Antonio Brown unfollowed Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders <laughs> on Instagram. That's something my mom would do. I'm going to get mad and unfollow you. Yeah, she did that to me. She did it to everybody. And my whole family, basically. Yeah. She does it to everybody. I'm the only person she hasn't unfollowed, I think. I don't know. I don't check. Because so. you're the only person that tells her to piss off. Yeah. Which is exactly how John Gruden and Mike Mayock should be handling this. <laughs> they really should. They really should. Which sounds like uh, well, Mayock is handling it that way. Yeah, I think so, too. But you knew anybody that... All of us Bucks fans, we knew. We saw how Gruden and Keyshawn Johnson clashed heads. And Keyshawn's nothing as bad as Antonio Brown. There's no way they could they could stay together on this team. There's no way. They didn't even make it into the <laughs> first game. <laughs> ah, that's funny. I love to see it. There's nothing that makes me feel better than watching other teams implode. Man. I know. You know, and that's one thing I say about being a fan of the Buccaneers. You see it a lot where Buccaneer fans will talk crap about the team. They'll talk crap about Jameis Winston as turnovers, or they'll talk crap about the GM or ownership or something like that. Everybody else in the league loves that. They want to hear you talk crap about your team. They want you to implode. They want the team to implode. You know, you'll get all kinds of kudos and upvotes and stuff like that from the rest of the league, but that's because they hate you. They want your team to suck. They want the Buccaneers to suck. Don't ever give them ammunition. Don't sit around and talk bad about the Buccaneers to other fans. I get so heated about that. It pisses me off. So that's why I had to stop going to the Buccaneers subreddit. Yeah. I just couldn't deal with And it was our honeymoon. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm fighting with people on. We're on our. So we got married. We got, Ralph got tickets for the Buccaneers game at Ray J in 2013 facing the Philadelphia Eagles. His birthday's in July. So we're planning the trip. And then we're like. Let's just get married before we go, and then that'll be our honeymoon. <laughs> Marriage was an afterthought. It was yeah, like, it was like, we have Bucks tickets. Let's just get this over with before we go. What was your proposal? So you want to get married or something? <laughs> so every girl waits to hear her whole life. Anyway, it was magical. I wouldn't have done it any other way. We went to the courthouse, went to McDonald's afterwards. <laughs> Stop laughing. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Best day of my life. And we drive down to Tampa Saturday. People, people think you're being sarcastic there, but you have said that was the best day of your life. It was. I, I'm yeah. serious. Okay. Well, I didn't want them to Okay. Because you're laughing. <laughs> it is comical to me. It's just funny. That's just how we are. We're not a big pomp and circumstance people. And I didn't want to spend a bunch of money on a wedding and have to plant. Ugh. No, and we didn't want our families to. Yeah, that was the big thing. <laughs> not, not, not that we don't like our families, but... It, it just turns into a big thing. And what we found it's out... It's too much stress. It is a lot of stress. And we both come from divorced parents and, you know, family members that can't stand each other. So it's like, you just eliminate all that. And we found out you piss everyone off anyway, no matter what you do. So you might as well just do... Well, do what you want to do. What you want to do. Yeah. All that to say, we get married on Friday, drive down to Tampa on Saturday, attend the game Sunday... It is during the Shiano era, and I think maybe the beginning of the collapse. And we had been spending the whole season arguing with people on Reddit anyway. And then <clears throat> we go to the game. It's hot. Did we get drunk? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I, I think got, it was too hot. I, I didn't get as good. drunk as I should have for as much as I drank because <laughs> it was so hot. I sweated out. Yeah. Like three quarters of every beer I drink. We lose the game to the Eagles, so we go back to our hotel room and spend the rest of the night arguing with idiots on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> that was our honeymoon. That was our honeymoon, so I stay away from that place now. <laughs> After all that debacle, it was just... And I just can't stand the negativity like that. No, it. I don't, I'm not a fan of sports because I want to be depressed, you know, and, and talk negative stuff. You go to NFL, the subreddit on Reddit, and almost all of the, no matter what the subject is, no matter what, all the most upvoted comments are always a fan of a team shitting on his own team. That's what everybody wants to hear. It's like, I love going out and hearing Falcons fans crap on Matt Ryan. I love going out and hearing Saints fans bitch about their ownership or whatever. You know, just, I love that. I love it. I'm like, yes. I don't like it for Buccaneers fans because 
you know, it shows disunity. It gives you a, a, a negative mindset, which could possibly infect the team and the fan base. I know people poo-poo when I say that, but, you know, scientifically, it's proven. You know, your your reality becomes what you focus on. And if you focus on the team being crappy and the ownership being crappy and everything, it's going to turn out that way. And for me, it's just fun to enjoy. I like enjoying it, whether we're losing or... Yeah, those those Shiano years were just miserable because everybody was just so negative. And then Lovey Smith come in, and those... That was miserable. And all of that followed... Uh, <clears throat> Raheem Morris' 2011 season, which was the worst football I've ever watched in my half a century of watching football. And uh, so it was just a long string of negativity. And we fought and fought and fought for years to try to get the fan base out of that mess. I don't necessarily blame people for being a little more reserved. But to me, I just don't understand Why do it? the yeah. point. Right. Yeah, I don't understand. If, if you can't be excited about your team, what is the point of that being your team? Right. Jameis Winston has not thrown a single interception yet. There's been no fumbles. Our defense hasn't been scored on a two-minute drill three times yet. Our, our offensive line hasn't given up five sacks in a game yet. Wait, Which, I think they did do that. No, I'm not. The preseason don't count. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's just... We're at, we're at a, a clean slate. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, nothing bad has happened in the season yet because it hasn't started. But yet, if you talk to a lot of Buccaneer fans, especially Buccaneers media, they're walking around, you know, with their knuckles dragging on the ground, moping about, talking about how bad our offensive line is. And, you know, Jameis Winston's going to throw all these interceptions and we're going to be lucky if we go to 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm like, what? Why are you even a fan if you can't get excited about this time of the year, this is when hope is at its top peak. And if this is a, if this is your peak, you might as well just not even watch football this year. Because it's a long season and bad shit's going to happen. I mean, good shit's going to happen, but bad shit's going to happen too. And it seems like with Buccaneer fans, it's like when bad shit happens, they just pile on, man. They're like, see, I told you, here he goes, you know, and all this. And when good stuff happens, they just kind of shrug it off, you know, like, eh, you know, we'll wait for next week when bad shit happens again. Even the Patriots, you watch the Patriots for a full season. I mean, they have strings of really bad games, you know. And They lose to the Cleveland Browns. Right. It's going to happen, guys. They lost two Super Bowls to the New York Giants. We, me and Molly go through such emotional highs and lows during the season. It's, it's almost like we're bipolar. But at this point, there's no reason to have that. Just be happy and be hopeful. But God damn it. Every team in the NFL is at the same level at this point. That's right. We're all... Clean slate. There's 16 games ahead of us. Half the teams in the playoffs are going to be first-time playoff teams from last year. You know, it's just, this is the time for hope, time to be happy, time to be excited. The time to be down on the team, if you're going to be down on the team, is in December when we're out of the playoffs. Or in the case of the Buccaneers, in November, <laughs> when we're out of the, sometimes September <laughs> or October. You know, that's when you can go, all right, well, this sucks. Other than that, man, no. Be positive. Be be excited about this mess. You never know. Any given Sunday, we could look like crap one week, come out the next week and just tear it up. I always like to look at the season in thirds because it seems like the first third of the season, there's always that team that just pops out. That it's pops like, out. They'll go, you know, 5-0. and oh. That and was us last year. Yes, and uh, everyone's talking about them going to the playoffs uh, and the, the surprise, and then – most of the time they collapse. And then you have in the second third of the season, you've got that team that maybe went one and four, one and five, you know. Who starts making a run. Who starts making a run very quietly. And then the last third of the season, you get the ones fighting for the wild card spots that go on win streaks or lose streaks like the Carolina Panthers. So <laughs> glorious. It's just. Yeah. And then, and then the playoff times comes around and you go, how in the world did the Patriots get in again? You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, they just kind of go, they just slog through the season, you know. I mean, they'll, in the past few years, they've started off slow, and people, it was funny, the first couple of years they did that, everybody was like, well, this is the end for Tom Brady and <laughs> Belichick, and then they win the Super Bowl, and everybody's like, we got to stop doing that. <laughs> got to stop underestimating this team. You know, and it, yeah, like you said, it, it, every year it's a, it's a third. It starts off, there's always these teams that are shooting fireworks out, the fan base is all excited because they've won you know, a series of games together, they're looking great and all that, and then they just collapse in the second part of the season. Yeah, it's a long season, guys. Don't get frustrated if we lose this, you know, if we start off bad or we have bad games or we, you know, there's bad crap's going to happen. We're not going to be perfect. There's no position group's going to be perfect. We're going to have weak spots. 
VA says in this book that a play has a 50% chance of breaking down. Every play, 50%. Every chance. play. So it's amazing to me that they can even string together. <laughs> right. And that's why it's <laughs> enough so, to win. That's why it's so valuable to have like the Jameis Winstons and the Roethlisbergers and the these guys that can make plays when a play does break down. Because then you're you're going from 50 50 to, I don't know, 52 48 inches count. So yeah, here it comes, guys. Here it comes. The game is Sunday, 4 p.m., 420. Do we have to wait that long? 405. Yep. No, wait a minute. 425. 425. Dang it. I know. I hate that. I hate being a four o'clock game, especially week one. Yeah. We got to wait that much longer. So what time are you going to sleep till? (laughs) (laughs) Probably 11. Yeah. Probably 11. Because we'll watch the one o'clock games. Yes. Most definitely. Maybe the Saints game or Carolina's playing the Rams. I'm seriously debating on completely throwing my week one game and making it obvious. Normally I do it and I don't make it obvious, but I'm playing my nemesis. And I don't want him to think he beat me straight <laughs> up. So I was thinking about like benching my quarterback and having no quarterback players. But you know, if you let him think that he beat you, then it gives a false sense of confidence. False sense of confidence. But I just don't want him to feel good about anything. <laughs> Look, you beat him last year. Not week in one. The, I know, but oh, in the yeah, that's in the playoffs. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're talking about fantasy. Yeah, fantasy football, by the way. But that's a, that's a it's always been a strategy of mine. The first couple of weeks. I always lose the first week on purpose. For the waivers? Yep. Because there's always these guys that pop up out of nowhere, these running backs, these wide receivers, these quarterbacks, the first couple of weeks that just blow everybody away. And if you ain't got that first waiver spot, you ain't going to get them. And they're usually, almost every year, they're the guys that carry me through the season. Those guys I pick up on the first few weeks of waivers. Who are you picking up? Well, nobody from the Bears or the, <laughs> pa- or the Packers for sure. You had Montgomery oh, he starting got me, him. Got me five points. I had Tariq Cohen too on your bench. I put him on my bench purposely. <laughs> I didn't want him to rack up any points. He's always good for 10, 15 points. Yeah. All right. So we've got this big win coming up. Uh, hopefully, I want to see him run the ball straight at Quan Alexander a few times. A lot, actually. He's not a great tackler, so he's all right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, he launches and then misses. He does, and he'll run right past you too. Yeah. Overshoots. Overshoots drastically. Maybe John Lynch has got that out of him. But anyhow, He's I want not us, coaching. I want us to run right at him just for shits and giggles. And if we do that, it'll be fun to see what we're going to do to Daryl McCoy Thursday night. I know we've got to have something planned for him. Yeah, I think BA wants some vengeance for all mm-hmm. the shit he's been talking in the media. Yeah. But then again, talking shit from Daryl McCoy is really soft. I mean, he he doesn't really talk crap one way or another. <laughs> he whines more. It's more of a whinging. I can't believe we disrespected him by giving away his number. He's one of the greats. God. Uh, I will never get over that. I tell you what, watching him in preseason, man, he does not look good. He doesn't look much worse than he did with us, but he looks a lot weaker. There was one play. He gets pushed out of the way, of course, and I can't remember one of the defensive ends. The ball goes to the right. And Jeremy McCoy and this defensive end are over on the left. And Jeremy McCoy starts to do his little jog thing towards the ball. And he jogs right out in front of that defensive end who was blazing. I mean, he was running full speed to get over to that ball. And he, he ended up tripping him up, and they both fell on the ground. It was so funny. Embarrassing. That happened. It used to happen. So he used to get in the way of our defensive end so much. I wanted to do a video compilation of just that, of Gerald McCoy getting in the way of our defensive ends. One of the reasons why we didn't have a 10-sack defensive end the whole time he was here until JPP came in because he would get in the way. But anyhow, enough of that. Guys, this is it. 2019 season's here. Get your tattoos of Buccaneers. Get your gear on. Get your vocal cords ready. It's time for us as fans to help this team out. Scream, holler. Show up. Represent. That's right. Yes, fill them stands. Did you see the Kansas City preseason game? Uh-uh. Packed. Really? Packed. The whole... I mean, it was like a regular season game. It was like they were hooting and hollering. It was loud. And it was cold there, too. People wearing jackets and stuff. And, uh, yeah, not an empty seat in the house. And they were all Kansas City bands. We need that in Tampa. We need this place packed. We don't need opposing team fans in there. All right, so anyhow, enough of that. Here we go. Week one is here. We will have our instant cast Sunday night, let you know what we thought of the team, and then Wednesday we will correct (laughs) what we thought after we watched the game film. We love doing that. It is so much fun. It's just like the preseason game with Ryan Griffin. I mean, we were both just like, this guy sucks. This is horrible. Then we go back, watch it again. 
like four times. We're like, you know, he was actually pretty good. It was the pressure on him that was bad. So we'll do that with this game. We always do. First impressions are normally wrong. We'll have the coaches film this week. That's right. I'm ready to chop up them videos, get them out, I'm trying to get them out fast. It's like, I want to have the game out by Tuesday or Wednesday. Depends on how fast the All-22 gets out. You know you saying that. Now you're not going to do it. I know. <laughs> no, I'm excited about it this year. I got my whole new setup. So been practicing on the, during the preseason. I've been watching the videos I've been putting up. I've been letting you know, hey, I'm in preseason mode too, so I'm learning. I'm excited. Our defense is going to be a, so much better than people are prepared for. It wouldn't surprise me if we got a top 10. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be in there. Can you imagine if we got a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense? Whoa. Yeah, there's no way we're not Playoffs. going to the playoffs. Yeah, which I think it's very, very possible. Likely. Very, very likely. But I can tell you this. We are not going to be able to recognize this defense from anything we've watched as Buccaneers for the past 40 years. It's that different. We saw a little bit of it during the preseason. And it was exciting. It was exciting, wasn't it? Cornerbacks batting down passes, linemen batting down passes, blitzes coming in from everywhere. Yeah, no idea what was going on. Neither did their offense. We were messing people up. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Guys, get excited. Week one is here. Let's do this. Till then, go Bucks.